Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann, Phil Bush here with you. Uh, Phil, how was your weekend so far? Uh, it was good. We celebrated a, uh, uh, a certain uh, son of mine turning seven and uh, uh, enjoyed some Marquette basketball, about roughly uh, uh, 75 minutes of Marquette basketball this week. But uh, yeah, it was good. How about yours? Uh, not bad, not bad. I'm just glad my brother survived after what uh, TCU did to him on <laughs> Saturday morning. <laughs> if you saw that TCU into that TCU football game, that was uh, one of the most stressful endings to a football game I have ever seen. But uh, no, it was fun. All, all good. And uh, I did. Uh, quick shout before we get to the Marquette men's team. Uh, heck of a Saturday for Marquette women's athletics. The first of all, the Marquette women's basketball team defeated the number three team in the country, the Texas Longhorns. Uh, First ever win over a top three team in the country for the Marquette women. So yeah, they were shouts to Megan uh, Duffy. O- Owen twenty two up to this point in terms of top five uh, victories Oppo- against top five opponents, I should say. So shouts to Megan Duffy and her squad. Uh, big win for them as they continue in the battle for Atlantis, the women's bracket, and then also shout to Marquette volleyball who claimed the. Big East regular season championship, and they will now be the one seed in the Big East tournament. And they got a shot to host an NCAA tournament game, I believe, Phil. So great season for the Marquette volleyball team as well. Yeah, very exciting. And it's it's good to see, um, you know, so many sports uh, um, doing well at Marquette. And, and quite frankly, the women's side of athletics really kind of <laughs> showing up and pulling their weight uh, is uh, is pretty outstanding. So it's it's good stuff to be uh, be excited about for sure. Good vibes. So good vibes down there on Wisconsin Avenue. Good to hear about that. So let's hope the Marquette men can keep the good vibes going. We're going to talk about their week that was. One win, one loss. Both more or less expected. We're going to dive into that. And we're going to then talk about uh, Marquette's, the Marquette men's MTE as they head to Fort Myers. Uh, games begin on Monday. That will be a two-game event for Marquette. They will play Mississippi State first, and then uh, the winner of Utah and Georgia Tech. We'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, Phyllis, first, uh, you know, as far as the week that was for Marquette, obviously the more more recent one was the blowout win over Long Island. I don't know if I want to dive into that one too much. We can touch on it a little, but I think uh, we, we know that this team is better than the very bad teams because they have essentially three convincing victories over lower tier teams in college basketball. Uh, I think we were all intrigued to see them against a legitimate opponent. And boy, that Purdue game, it it was tough to stomach how it ended. I loved how well they competed for 90% of it. Like, you know, like uh, 35 minutes of the game. Um, I hated the way it ended for them, but I kind of want to start there, is what did you take away from uh, Tuesday's uh, 75-70 loss at Purdue? Well, I think the the two big takeaways I had from that Purdue game is is there's talent enough on this team to go on the road and really, you know, for 30 minutes, it looked like Marquette was going to win that game. And that's, that's impressive in of itself. So that was... That was the first thing was that there's talent enough on this roster 
and and with the staff to to deploy them, they can go in and get a tough potentially go in and get a tough road victory. I think the other thing it kind of revealed is our freshmen are still freshmen, um, as there were some, you know, there were some minutes that we needed to get good good minutes out of the freshmen on the on the roster, and uh, we didn't really get that in the second half, and and that helped contribute to the. Uh, to the scoring drought and the, the the scoring run that that Purdue went on that ultimately sealed the sealed the loss for Marquette. So I think there was a lot of good to take away. I suppose you could call it a moral victory, but but certainly some maturation still required for this team. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't know, you know, the Ken Palm rankings, the metrics, if you didn't know the Vegas line, uh, if you kind of went into that game cold, for most of it, Marquette looked like the better team of the two you were watching there because uh, uh, they were mostly in control for I guess, you know, 70% of the game, 75% of the game. And then Purdue just kind of stormed back towards the end um, as, you know, that lead just kind of evaporated there. I, I think Marquette shooting woes kind of hurt them late in that game. I think when Edie came back in, we knew Edie was the 7-4 center for Purdue. We knew he was going to be a problem coming in. Um, but I thought Marquette had a great game plan for him and executed it very well in the first half. I mean, they they were, they rebounded the ball very well. Um, he never – they uh, prevented him from getting a lot of touches. And um, I thought they had – they executed the game plan well. But I think when he got back in there late, I think – Going to the basket became kind of a second thought, and his uh, un- understandably, but his presence in the middle, I think, forced Marquette to settle for a lot of jumpers down the stretch, and they missed a lot of them. Yeah, almost several of them, and and I think the uh, the, the shooting haunted them down the stretch in their game, and uh, that that was just uh, that was just uh, I guess a little tough to watch considering how well they played in most other aspects of that game. Yeah, well, and I also think that um, you know we kind of were talking about before the game that 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 maybe Marquette would have an opportunity to kind of wear Edie out and 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 get him kind of tired, and I think they did that in the first half of the game, right? I I, I think they were really putting a lot of energy into Edie Edie and. And he was, you know, not catching the ball too close to the basket. We were putting a lot of ball pressure on the uh, on the uh, the ball entry folks, which was really successful in keeping the ball out of his hands in the first half, especially. But as that that second half wore on, it was almost like we ran out of energy, right? Like the the ball pressure just was not there as much, and we played Tyler Kolick thirty nine minutes, Oso Igadaro thirty five minutes. Uh, and Cam Jones, 33 minutes. I mean, that's that's a fair number of minutes for an early season game. And, and I think especially with with Tyler Kolick, you could kind of you could kind of see him wearing. And I think his legs just weren't there um, in the last couple of minutes, which which kind of hurt him on both ends of the both ends of the floor. Um, but, yeah, it was a, uh, um, it, you know. It was a it was a uh, a yardstick game, right? We know we're kind of measuring this team, and we know where they are. I they, you know, Purdue is a top twenty five Ken Palm team as of right now. It's early days yet, uh, but they went on the road, and you know, like we said, for 30, 35 minutes, they gave them gave them the best of that, that they got, and and it was good enough to be you know at one point I think during a David Joplin personal heater, I think they got up to a, a nine point lead. Um, 
you know, and could have, and, and you and I talked about this off pot, but, you know, I think the, the thing that really sticks in my mind is there was a nine point lead. David Joplin kind of tweaked something in his leg and, and went off the floor and, and Chase Ross came in and they had a, a series where Chase had two just absolutely brutally wide open threes and he missed both. And that was an opportunity to push the lead to 12. And, and quite honestly, I mean, we have no way to prove this, but. I think if he makes either of those three, I think Marquette wins. Yeah, uh, yeah a lot you touched on there that I want to get into. Number one, uh, David Joplin's injury, as minor as it was, may have been major in the grand scheme of things because he was definitely on a heater, and I would have liked to see him keep playing. And granted, he, he was only off the floor for a little while, um, but by the time he got back in, Purdue had seized the momentum of the game. Um, and so... I mean, I was ready to roll out another Jop Wagon meme, honestly, because he almost carried Marquette to a victory because Purdue had started to come back anyway up to that point, but then or the Marquette offense had gone a little stagnant, but Joplin heated up and is like Joplin to the rescue again. But, um, so yeah, him going to the bench hurt, and uh, I know exactly the plays you're talking about for, for Chase. Uh, you know, Kolick uh, came up with Steel, he was on the fast break, and he... He it was I think essentially it was a two on one mm-hmm. he and Chase and Chase was the trailer, and I think either if Tyler just goes to the basket himself for the layup, or Chase follows him, and Tyler dumps it off to him, Chase has got a layup. Right. Um. And oh, but but then you know Chase faded to the three point line and so Tyler kicked it out there, and Chase missed the three but they got the offensive rebound and the possession continued and then he missed another three. Um, and yeah, Purdue did come back since then, but I agree. It, like, again, I don't want to put, make it sound like the entire L was on that moment, but it was kind of a pivotal moment in the game, um, where Marquette could have extended that lead to double digits. Uh, you know, maybe if you get an and one, like maybe if, if Tyler goes all the way to the basket, maybe he gets an and one, right. maybe he gets a three point play that way. Um, I, I guarantee that's something they, uh, they hammered in film, uh, this week when they looked at that one play, it was just like. Guys, you got two on one. You got to go to the basket. Well, and and because it ended up, yeah, it was it was two on one. And but not only that, after the after after that possession came up empty, I believe Purdue got a fast break going the other way and ended ended up with a trailer three. Um, so so it, it was kind of like a, a triple whammy, so to speak. But uh, again, you know, you can't put it on one play or one moment in time. You know the. The team as a whole kind of faded late. The defense kind of kind of went away, and the offense just simply could not not generate looks. I think there was some some chatter around, you know, hey, this this doesn't look like great offense. But you know, there there's a lot to be said when there's a seven foot mon- a seven foot four monster in there waiting to erase, uh, you know, erase drives and and uh you know and and you just you you start to lose confidence there for a hot minute and i think that's what happened on the offensive end was they were they were trying to run stuff but they just did not have the confidence um in the uh in the sets they were running because they they were kind of rattled and that's going to happen when you face a top 25 opponent on the road and you know we saw them lose yeah, they you know there were some moments there in the first half. I mean, Oso uh, there was one play where Oso kind of cooked Edie and just drove past him and had a nice scoop layup right by him. Um, you know, I think you're not going to get that every time on Edie. I mean, Edie once he kind of got a feel for okay, this is the speed that these guys are going to be playing against me. Uh, he kind of caught up and yeah, he got his 
he got his shot blocks over the course of the game. But, but yeah, I think his presence was a difference on the stretch, and that's why I think you settle for so many jumpers. And we said before, there's going to be a night when those jumpers fall, and Tyler Kolick is just going to have a, a ton of assists on that night. It was not, unfortunately, Tuesday. Um, the, the, the lack of shooting hurt the team, and they just couldn't stop the bleeding as, as Purdue kind of pulled away and uh, got the win. So tough loss. Uh, but as you said, Phil, that, that may be a team that finishes very high in the Big Ten, could win the Big Ten. Uh, I'm not sure how that league's going to shake out right now. Right. Yeah. It, Purdue's, it, I think that – I mean, there's there's a lot of questions about a lot of leagues right now. I mean, it, yeah. it may be too early, but feels like an extremely soft bubble right now. Yeah. I, yeah, just – we we need to get through this uh, feast week champ. This all these MTEs to maybe get a sense of who's really good and who's. Re- I have no idea who's going to be number one in the country on Monday. No, uh, considering the, the the teams that have lost and uh, there's a lot of shuffling at the top with uh, see Kentucky lost, um, Gun- Michigan you know Michigan Ma- Gonzaga yeah, Michigan lost. Michigan Gonzaga lost. Uh, I, I, Texas uh, yeah Texas <laughs> Texas might be number one. I don't know. Uh, Kansas I don't know. Gonna be, I don't know who's gonna be number one next week, but yeah, there's a lot to sort out. So, but I do think Purdue will be very good, uh, and uh, I, that's not a loss you're gonna hang your head at, at and regret when it comes down to March and talking resumes. But will it even matter as far as March and resumes uh, for Marquette? You know, they, you know, then they bounce back. We'll touch on uh, Long Island very briefly. You got what you expected there, right? Uh, I think yeah. Long Island was even missing some guys, and even if they didn't have them. Even with those guys, they are one of the lowest-ranked teams in the country as far as Ken Palm goes. Uh, then you're missing those guys, and they're even worse. Marquette steamrolled them. And so it was nice to have a a no-doubter get everybody some minutes, you know, some extended minutes for Zach Reitzel, who I still think is trying to get used to the Division One game, uh, some extent, and extended minutes for a Tijere, who I know they'd like to see develop a little more. Uh, Omax had a dominant performance. My I mean, just God. LI, LIU had nobody who could match up with Omax athletically, and it showed. So uh, I guess a bit of a palate cleanser on Thursday against LIU, Phil. Well, and, and I think the, the, the only takeaway really from the LIU game was like, hey, this team has the mental fortitude to kind of bounce back and be effective, right? Like this, this, this you know – it's easy to take one kind of late on the chin in Purdue and then come in and, and see what LIU is on paper and go, yeah, 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 we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take them semi-seriously. But they, they, you know, they really came out and start to finish just did all the things they were supposed to do. And, and so that, I think, is a, is a takeaway that, right, hey, this team is focused and they're going to, um, they're going to do their best, even you know, even if they don't have to have their best available, right? So that's that's encouraging. I think that's that's really the only lesson I take away from that game. Yeah. So again, early numbers, but you're four games in. Three of them are by game opponents, but Marquette ranked uh, as we record this on Saturday night, 67th in Ken Palm. Offensive efficiency, 66. Defense, 69. Nice. <laughs> so they are in the 60s overall as far as the major metrics. Uh, they get a lot of easy two-point buckets. They're 20th in the country at two-point percentage. Three-point percentage, not so much. They're 31.5. That's a num- that's uh, ranks 206 in the country. That's a number that needs to come up. Uh, I would say, generally speaking, Phil, even though maybe the, the numbers don't show it, not like they're ranked high, this team is doing a better job rebounding the ball this year. Yeah. Just eyeball test it just seems 
they're doing they're doing a lot better. I thought it showed a lot against Purdue, but that's something. Again, again, the metrics don't show it. They're still in the hundreds in offensive rebounding percentage, but I mean it's not like they're terrible either. So they're not in the three hundreds either. But uh, I, I think this team has maybe refocused on rebounding a little bit, or maybe it's uh, some individual efforts. Maybe a little bit more from everybody has contributed to a lot more for everyone. So I, I think that's one thing that stuck out to me as far as eyeball test first few games is they are a better rebounding team which was a huge weakness a year ago yeah I, I think I think the rebounding numbers showed up and like you said at Purdue it definitely showed up I mean even the announcers were were talking about how remarkable it was that that Marquette was you know kind of grabbing so many rebounds um I think I think the thing that's interesting so the rebounding is improved but I, I the, the one thing I'm a little bit worried about and and not so much for the points per se but simply for the stress it puts on defenses. But Marquette, you know, when you look at its three-point shooting, they're shooting a fair number of them and not hitting a lot. And the free throw rate is pretty low. Um, so Marquette is not really getting to the rim. And if they are getting to the rim, they're not drawing fouls, which I think is problematic because I think this team, you know, one, the team is a good free throw shooting team, but two, uh, it would be nice to generate some fouls on the other team because I think at one point in that Purdue game in the second half, I think there were nine minutes left in the second half and Purdue hadn't committed a foul yet. Um, you know, and, and that's I, and that's not a snide comment on the officiating. I actually thought the officiating was, you know, as good as I've seen. Fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah you know, fine. You know, for a game of that nature, it was that Marquette was not, not getting to the rim and was not generating contact that would draw fouls. So... I'll be curious to see where that goes long-term on this season. Is this going to be a team that's going to be a jump-shooting team? And if they are, I mean, that's fine. That's an approach. But then you're going to be subject to a lot more variance, right? You're you know, you're going to have off-shooting nights. Um, and you're going to have just red-hot shooting nights. Yeah. You know? I Was it on the post-game show with Homer when Shaka said – uh, Cam can't be shooting from outer space. Yes, yes, that was that was uh, after the yeah. Purdue game. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I you know I'm glad Shaka said it because he's right. Um, like I we love Cam shooting. You you always want him shooting, but I he he does need to chill with thirty footers. I think uh, he had some heat checks when he wasn't on fire. Right. <laughs> heat checks are fine when you've nailed three or four straight, but uh, there were some. In I, the past couple of games, even in Purdue game, it's just like my gosh, bro, what are you pulling up from there for? You right. Know? Uh, so that that that's not helping the disappointing overall three point shooting percentage for the team. So um, really, is it the only guy? One guy shooting. This does shouldn't surprise you. The one guy shooting very well from three, David Joplin. Yes. Forty six percent. Yeah, and he went of twenty eight in the first game of the season. At one point, I think he was. 13 of 19 from three, uh, if you exclude. I think, the over the, oh, I think over the course of the Purdue and LIU game, he made like six or seven in a row. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Dude's been on fire, so let's uh, let's keep that up. Yes. As, um, as president, CEO, and supreme chancellor of the David Joplin fan club, uh, I approve. Um, but, yeah, but Keep shooting. But to your cam point, the, the other point I want to make is – the, the thing that's kind of frustrating about the, the Cam logo shots um, is they're not in the flow of the offense, right? Like, th- this team is generating plenty of open looks for three. So Cam yes. can find his shot 
in the flow of the offense and take open looks. It's not like he's got to jack up shots because we're not getting open looks. I mean, I want to say almost 40% of our threes are unguarded threes, which is insane. Like there are a lot yeah. of unguarded threes that this offense is generating. Unfortunately, with with, with the exception of of David Joplin so far and and Cam certainly, uh, I don't think that we have much much else in the way of three point shooting, so it doesn't help us. But um, but yeah, we're generating the looks. It it doesn't need Cam to go you know full Kate and Reinhardt on us to uh, uh, to generate looks. Hey, smaller sample size, o, uh, Omax is 4 of 10, and Stevie Mitchell's 4 of 10. I mean, if the, you'll keep those percentages, take those percentages if they can keep those up. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, nothing yeah, absolutely. Right. You know. But, no, I definitely know what you're saying. And that was, I think, another thing that was frustrating of the, about the uh, Purdue game is, yeah, they missed a lot of shots, but they missed a lot of wide-open shots. Mm-hmm. It seems like there were just so many threes in that game. It was like, oh, man, that's like nobody near them. Got to knock that one down, and they didn't. So, yeah, the... The percentage on unguarded threes has got to go up, and hopefully there's just a uh, an aggression to the mean. There. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was trying to not say regression to the mean. The progression, yeah, aggression, progression. whatever. Yes. So, yes, that has to happen. I, I think it will. But uh, you, like you said, you're happy with the looks, and you don't want to stop shooting them just because the percentage has been low early on. There's there are enough guys. Yeah, I agree. There's really no, not many guys on this team who you would classify as great three-point shooters. Joplin and Cam would probably be the one guy, two guys you would say are that. Uh, but there are several other guys who you are more than comfortable taking wide open threes if they have them. Omax, Stevie Mitchell, uh, Kolick, maybe Sean Jones. Uh, Maybe Ben Gold. He's shown an ability to stretch a little bit. But it, like when he's that wide open, you might be fine right. with it. Uh, I, and but, like, you know, we talked about Chase Chase Ross's two missed threes. I, they were good-looking shots. He shot them in rhythm. Those are those yeah. are shots I'm comfortable him taking. We need to keep generating He's three of those. nine. Yeah. And, and we and need to keep generating three. those, to your point. Like, yeah. it, you know, uh, these shots will start to fall. And, like, if we see you know, throughout the non-conference where these shots aren't falling, okay, then maybe we need to relook at the offense because we're just not capable of, it doesn't matter whether we're guarded or not. We're not, you know, not being, we're not capable of hitting threes at a, at a high clip, but, you know, other than our Lord and Savior, David Joplin, um, <laughs> which I, I'm sorry, I'd like the whole job wagon thing. We need that. That just needs to go as big as possible. I, I think it should be like a goal by the end of the season for, a play-by-play guy on TV to say Jop Wagon. Ooh, I Just, like that. That, 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 that. That's when we know it's, like, become a thing. Because, like, the thing with Andrew Rousey, that was something that kind of started online. Mostly, mm-hmm. I think, the got to give, I think it was Mub Nation that kind of started that thing. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we can give them credit for that. And eventually it became such a thing that it was said on a broadcast. Right, right, right. Like the like the, the 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 broadcasters got wind of it and figured out like that's something Marquette fans say. So that's kind of I think that's a goal by the end of the year to see if a television broadcaster says job wagon. Do so. do do, <laughs> do we think the majority of Marquette fans know where the whole job wagon thing came from? Uh. I don't know how many of them know that it's a thing necessarily because it's really just exists on the dying medium that is Twitter yeah, right it's now. True. <laughs> like, like, I, like I haven't seen like 
I don't know if it exists anywhere, uh, like on TikTok or Instagram or anything. Uh, I think it's just our little close circle of crazy friends on Twitter who the circle gets smaller by the day <laughs> as Twitter becomes a dying thing. So uh, that, that's why I really want to get it out there before Twitter goes away completely. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if it gets out there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 a must. It's a must uh, build into the uh, into the atmosphere kind of thing. So I'm 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 going to use it at all times. Everybody has goals. The team has goals. The social media, the mob mafia, we have goals as well. Uh, that's what our goal is to get Jop Wagon said on television. All right. So let's talk about the games coming up, Phil. So on Monday, Marquette begins its play in the uh, tournament down in Fort Myers. Um, what is this thing even called anyway? I just call it the tournament. I always just Fort call it Myers. the Fort Myers tournament. I don't know. It's it's the it's the Fort Myers tournament. It's the, uh, th- so it's there the are... draw attention to Florida being hit, hammered by a hurricane tournament at this. Point. Yes, yes, yeah. We'll raise funds for those people. They do need help. But the uh, it's Fort Myers so it, tip off the... tournament. <laughs> okay, there far. you go. The Fort Myers. Okay, the Fort Myers thing. Uh, now it is a bit confusing that there are eight teams there, but there are two four-team brackets, and they do not meet. So there are only four teams in Marquette's bracket, so therefore there will only be two games. Uh, first one will be on Monday. That will be against Mississippi State, and then, depending p- results, they will play either Utah or Georgia Tech. So let's touch on the team that we know Marquette is playing, Phil. That is Mississippi State, uh, currently coached by Chris Jans. I believe this is his first year with Mississippi State. Um they are way up there in Ken Palm, actually. A great defensive team. Uh, 15 in the nation on def- uh, defensive efficiency per Ken Palm. They also have a top 50 offense. Uh, they have, they're have 4-0 on the season. No major wins, though. All by-game opponents. A&M, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, Akron, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and South Dakota are their wins. None of those teams rated higher than 130th at Ken Palm. So this is their first test, Phil. And so, like, if you're looking for advantages, at least Marquette has seen itself against a power conference team yet. Mississippi State has not. Um... The one thing that concerns me immediately looking at Mississippi State is their defensive numbers so far, granted against lesser competition. But Chris Jans, I believe, has always been known as a defensive-oriented coach. Um, so they're going to give Marquette everything they can handle on the defensive end. Yeah, the, I mean, that is – I mean, going into the game, I, I'll, I'll say I'm still cautiously optimistic that Marquette wins this game. Um, but I think it's going to be a little tighter than I suspected um going into the season simply because mississippi state is fundamentally sound as a defensive team um and that will be interesting to see you know i I think defense travels right or our defense is is relatively constant um so if you're really good at defense you're more than likely going to be good at defense all the time whereas things like shooting and and stuff like that that doesn't always travel right when you go to to new locations so i think mm-hmm. that's what what gives me hesitation is is the defensive prowess that that mississippi state has shown to date now it could be a bit of a statistical aberration uh simply because they have not played anyone of of any significant quality um so it'll see this will be this will kind of be the you know the second down a trend line of hey where does marquette stack up against legitimate talent right uh guy to watch for in the middle would be tolu smith he's a 611 center been rebounding the ball 
exceptionally well so far. 20% defensive, re uh, defensive rebounding, 17% uh, on his offensive rebounding percentage. They are ranked ninth in the country in offensive rebounding percentage as a team through their four bye games. So th they're going to give Marquette trouble on the glass. So, But again, we said Marquette's effort... Uh, on the rebound, rebounding in the especially in the Purdue game really showed. Even a guy like Tyler Kolek, who you never expect him to be a rebounder, even if he doesn't get the rebound, like he's a guy who will keep it alive and like tap it up and give it a chance to maybe one of the bigger guys to grab it. So the what we believe to be an improvement on the rebounding statistic will be put to the test against this squad with uh, the way they hit the glass. Um, so that's something I will be watching. They're not a particularly sh great shooting team, though. They're actually worse than Marquette shooting the three. So, at least from what we've seen so far, they may not be a team that can be bombs away from three, so that's encouraging. Um, but, you know, I think before the season, I did pick this as a loss. Ken Palm has a, a Mississippi State as a five-point favorite in this game, so Marquette will be a slight underdog. I don't know what the Vegas line is going to be on it, but usually those things tend to line up. Um after seeing them against Purdue, Phil, uh, this may be the first time I may go against my preseason prediction for a game. I, I, I'm feeling a little better about what they could bring uh, to Mississippi State. Granted, they will be an underdog, but I, I just think what Marquette has been generating offensively, all those open looks, uh, I think more of them have to start falling offensively eventually and more minutes for David Joplin hopefully you know he gets on a heater again and but then doesn't have to go to the bench injured right. <laughs> and lose that momentum because uh, I would like to see that development keep going and know it's not just a hope it's not just a flash of just a few games that he is truly emerging as a go-to scorer and if he can continue to show that maybe even more of a, a coming out party for David Joplin uh, this week is what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting is not that Marquette's depth is overwhelmingly good, right? Like, but I, I Mississippi state pretty much has like six players. And then after that, it, it, the, 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 the pool gets uh, pretty shallow, pretty fast. Um, so what will be interesting is, is, you know, if Mississippi State gets into any foul trouble, if Marquette's pace, you know, because I, I think we should acknowledge Marquette is playing right now, per Ken Palm, the fourth fastest pace in the country. Um, so, so that is a lot of pressure on a defense. Um, so if they get tired, if they get, if they get into foul trouble, um, that could lend to, 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 you know, some more bench being used than, you know, Chris Jans is necessarily comfortable with. So that'll be interesting. Now it is the, the one thing that gives me hesitation is this is, uh, God, I hope the fans aren't the same way, but this does remind me of the, um, the, the Bonnies from last year where it was a very, <laughs> you know, a very, uh, senior laden team, right? Like so, some of these players are, you know, almost doctors at this point. So I think Mississippi yeah. state has, a lot of experience under its belt. Um, but I think certainly Marquette has the youth and I'll say energy edge as well that, you know, I think, I think we'll win the day, but we'll see. Yeah. A couple thoughts quickly, just, uh, so I guess you could probably say Marquette rotates eight and then you got, uh, Ben gold, who's more just kind of a sub when Oso needs a break. And then, uh, I still f I'm trying to figure out if Wright Sill is a rotation guy or a guy that they're trying to get up to speed and figure out if he's a rotation guy. I think it's uh, more the latter, but we'll see. Okay. 
yeah, so they, they essentially rotate eight. Because um, the second question is, should David Joplin be starting, or do you like him in this role as come off the bench and bombs away? I, I like him. I Like, I, I don't want to change it, honestly. Like, I love David Joplin just straight up, but I, I think it's more of a, like, get him useful, productive minutes. And I do think he brings a certain energy off the bench um, that – you know, and I and I don't know that you know because you you'd basically have to take Cam Jones out for David Joplin, um, in the starting lineup because I don't know you know would you would you sit you wouldn't sit Omax right you wouldn't sit yeah you know and you definitely wouldn't sit Tyler Cole right you know you're not sitting Oso so um, and the, the only other option is Stevie Mitchell who I thought has played well even though he's not necessarily like a leading scorer or anything right. but I think his presence is important well yeah but uh, well and Stevie yeah. Mitchell if you look at it he is. He is the common denominator in the top five defensive lineups for Marquette, right? So, like, Stevie's there to, like, we you want to play defense off the jump. So I would not change the starting lineup. I think Joplin coming in for whoever, you know, whether, it, whether it's Cam or Stevie or even Tyler, right? Like, it, you know, whoever is not cold or, needs a, or not hot or needs a break or whatever – Bringing Joplin in is kind of the energy, the instant offense type of guy. I, I think that's a role through non-conference at a minimum. I think we'll continue to see. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he's going for that Biggie Six Man of the Year award. Might as well, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, my- <laughs> like I mean, Shaka talked about how David Joplin could could lead the league in scoring someday, and it's like oh, I don't know. He he might get, he might get there sooner rather than later. We didn't, you know, we didn't know <laughs> maybe, that, but here maybe- we are. Maybe some days this year. Yes. We'll, we'll find out. So, uh, I, I like you, I am cautiously optimistic, but I I am also nervous that Mississippi State's defense could make a bad shooting team worse. Yeah. And if, if they keep, keep Marquette out of the paint, that game could get away from you quickly. So, I am hopeful that uh, Marquette can get a win against Mississippi State. Now, pending that result, it – I'm just going to go out on a limb and say if they win, they're going to be playing Utah, and if they lose, they're going to be playing Georgia Tech. Yep, that makes sense. Because I think, you know, who knows? But uh, I mean, according to Ken Palm, Utah's only a three-point favorite in this game. But I think Georgia Tech is projected to be one of the weaker, if not the weakest, teams in the ACC. Uh, they're uh, 112 on Ken Palm, so they're way up there. Uh, Utah is actually pretty close to Marquette, Ken Palm wise. They're 74, so that would probably be maybe a bit of a toss up uh, on Ken Palm. I can't preview the matchup right now, but um, any thoughts, strong feelings, one way or the other? Utah, Georgia Tech, Phil. Um, I do think we face Utah, and and honestly, um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what comes out of the uh, the Mississippi State game, right? If if Marquette looks horrible in that game, maybe maybe we would have to rethink our prediction. Um, but I, I, I think I, I think either team Marquette can beat. And, you know, personally, I'd rather face Utah. Just I think Utah is going to do better throughout the season than, say, Georgia Tech. Um, so, we, yeah. you know, we need those those sweet, sweet analytic points. But, uh, no, I, I think... I think if Marquette can hold its own against Mississippi State, we're we're looking at a two and zero, you know, feast week, which would be fantastic. 
Yeah, that, I think that's a good point. It almost makes the Mississippi State game a little bit more important. Because I agree with you, I think a win over Utah would age better than a win over Georgia Tech. Right. Because uh, like, I don't think I don't think Utah's going to win the Pac-12 or anything. I don't know if they're going to be a tournament team. But I, I think they will be a good enough win that like you can say, hey, we beat Utah on a neutral floor. And if Georgia Tech is 13 or 14 in the ACC, it's like, well... At least we didn't lose to them, right? So, I mean, if if you end up playing Georgia Tech, you got to beat them because that could end that that could end up being a bad loss if you don't beat Georgia Tech. Um, but I, I am I am pretty optimistic that Marquette will get out of Fort Myers with at least one win. Uh, but I I think they can get two. I really do. I, I think they can beat Mississippi State. Um, and then uh, whoever they get in the next game, which I, I think might be Utah. Uh, yeah, if they win, so I would I'd feel pretty good about beating Utah too. So. Yeah, and that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. And what I, you know, what I just realized, which is crazy, because I don't, I don't feel like this is normal during Feast Week. We have a third game this week. Yeah, like not one. Hopefully, we really need to think about too much. But yeah, there's like not much of a kind of a quick turnaround. I mean, you basically get a break for Thanksgiving, and then they're back uh, at the Fiserv on Saturday against. Really, one of the lowest-rated teams in all of college basketball—that <laughs> is uh, Chicago State, who is three fifty-eight. Are they last on Ken Palm? Hold on, what, is that that's not last, is it? That's got to be close to last. It's, though, it's not darn near last. it. Yeah, so they are three five-eight on Ken Palm, which is standby. Loading computer going a little PC, slow, but P- PC uh, low that is PC low alert. It's almost there, but yeah, they. Uh, 363 is how many teams we have. So almost one team for every day of the year. But they, uh, so yeah, they are, they're not dead last, but they are five spots from last. So, hey, you know, we've seen Marquette play some teams way down there on Kemp but they have won that handily. So uh, isn't Chicago State dropping down or considering dropping out of Division One? Yeah, yeah. I, they so, also at one point in time considered Mark Titus. No, I, that's that's yeah, not serious. Yeah. Mark Titus. Mark Titus strongly considered them. Yes, Mark Titus strongly considered them. He would love to be the would have loved to be the coach of Chicago State, but uh, yeah, I think they are uh, dropping out of Division One. Yeah, that's it's so, it's just crazy. That's going to be a crazy sports day because you got uh, U.S. England if you're into such uh, athletic pursuits as soccer and. Uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, who knows by then, by then maybe the world cup's burning down or whatever. Yes. There, there are riots. Um, but, uh, you know, Twitter might be fire fests, fire fest, soccer edition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fire fest to no one world cup. Hold my beer. Um, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's again, that's a game that it's almost, it's, it's almost telling that I forgot that there was a third game this week because that really should not be an issue whatsoever though if yeah, i were we, georgetown i'd be concerned about maryland baltimore but you know that's neither here nor there i mean honestly that game uh against chicago state is going to be so under the radar because you said it's world cup day against england uh that's also the day of the michigan ohio state football game yes yep. um then whatever else they have on the college football slate i'm sure there are several other games that i'm not looking at but there are probably many many other games as college as the the uh Conference championships are settled, or set, championship games are set up. There are going to be so many other games that day. Is that game even on television? Uh, uh, I wouldn't who, be surprised. But, I, who would who would put that on? I don't know. Yeah, that that's got to be uh, that's got to be Fox Sports Go only. I would bet. I can't imagine there would be room for on any well, network on, on that Saturday. Holy crow! It's on Fox Sports Two. Is it really? Yeah. 
Gosh, guess who'd they get to call? Content is content, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, oh Lord. Who are the poor, who are the poor saps that got to call that game? Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, the Georgetown, uh, Maryland, Baltimore, eleven a.m. on on Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend <laughs> is is on Fox Sports too as well. So, well, of course, you know, I, I mock it. I mock it, but like my family's going to be in one room watching Ohio state, Michigan, and I'll be in the other. It's like, Hey, Marquette's up 20 on Chicago state. I'll be down in a minute. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, it, it's just crazy. And can we take a spare a moment? I know I've name checked Georgetown a couple of times here, but can we talk about how epically bad the big East might be? Yeah, there were some real stinkers. Uh, uh, league-wide over the last few days. I mean, yeah, Georgetown had one. DePaul had a really bad one. Um, Providence? Uh, see, Pro- Providence's luck ran out. They they suffered a loss. Now, Villanova lost, but that was a tough one. They they took Michigan State down to the wire, almost beat them. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's tough to tell this early. But, there's but yeah, I mean, I, the Big Ten kind of ran away with the Gavit games, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, like, I... I we're not Big East isn't going to win that this year, but um, yeah, it, it's it's tough to tell early, but early indications uh, probably not a juggernaut league this season. Yeah, which I mean, good for Marquette, which is I, I think it's fair to say Marquette will be an average t- early days. We can adjust, but I think they're going to be an average to an above average team. <laughs> and if the Big t- Big East breaks the way it feels like it might break. I mean, an above-average team could be a top-four team in the Big East this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I need a bigger sample size before I want to have that discussion. Um, I, let me know. We, we can we can revisit this after the MTEs are all done. Right. Because I think that's where you get the, the bumps if you win your tournament. You, you know, let's let's revisit joke about the Mau- December. How about Maui that? Maui bump. But, right, yeah. Well, when we get into December, we can revisit. Uh, how Marquette stacks up, who has nice wins, who doesn't have nice wins, who looks like they are truly putrid. Because, you know, you know, if Marquette goes to Fort Myers and loses two games, you're like, ugh. Right. <laughs> right. right. Then, there, then there's concerns that they can't beat anybody who's not over, ranked over 200 on Ken Palm. So uh, I, I need – but I, I'm not, I don't think it's going to get there because I thought they showed great fight. And, again, they were better than Purdue for 30, 35 minutes of that game. It's – they needed to finish, and I'm hoping they will against a team that I think is not as good as Purdue in Mississippi State. So I, I think I, and on a neutral floor at that. So I'm hoping they get one, and I'm well. I'm very, I'm, I was, I dare say, confident they get one win this week in Fort Myers. I, I feel I like we can hope, lock that in. I, one win. Ho- well, let's let's put it this way: I'm locking in that we get two wins this week. I'm I'm. Strongly leaning towards three. I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you're going to beat Chicago State because you have to. There's no excuses there. And then you, uh, yeah, like if they lose to Mississippi State, they should absolutely beat Georgia Tech. And if they beat Mississippi State, good chance you parlay that with a win over Utah. So I'd be very satisfied with that. So I think that's where we stand, Phil. So hopefully it's going to be a good week. You, you got any uh, big? turkey day plans um, in between all this madness we got going on uh, we got some fan uh, f- family stuff on thanksgiving itself tomorrow we're having friendsgiving with some some families ah. but uh we're actually calling it sidesgiving because we decided to eliminate the turkey altogether and we're just making a bunch of sides and eating those 
Well, it's so expensive this year anyway. Well, what do you right. mean turkey twice? Why? <laughs> yeah. well, who, who can afford to have two turkeys? My God. I know. that. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, I, we're doing Thanksgiving at my brother's, and there will be a turkey there, uh, the, but it will be a smaller turkey, and the uh, main attraction is going to be brisket. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. My brother's got a smoker. He's been you know, kind of perfecting his uh, technique and craft. We, we tried one around Halloween. We did his kind of first real go at, you know, slow and low and slow cooking a tur- uh, cooking a brisket and turned out pretty good. So I think he's got his technique down. He's confident he's gonna bring it home on uh, Thanksgiving. Well, that's so, that's I mean up. that's that's high pressure. I mean like because if, yeah. if you screw that up, like you screw it up real big. But if it turns <laughs> yeah. out like that'll be great. Oh yeah, he's he, he knows what he's doing around the grill. He's just the smoker's new. So uh, excited for it. So but we'll have a lot of also traditional like thanksgiving sides and stuff around that but there will be turkey for those who still need a turkey uh but yeah turkey and brisket yeah it's kind of the plan for us it's so. it's gonna be a crazy sports week though because you've got all the the yeah. world cup stuff going on you've got feast week all over the place which i think this is going to be a very chaotic year just in general like i maybe if you want to call it parody or you want to you know talk about youth on teams whatever i think feast week is going to be like crazy enjoyable um i think there's gonna be some wacky results so it's gonna it's gonna be a fun week i'm really looking forward to it yeah i i think like looking nationwide i they're just i don't know who i would like pick as a final four team right now because i just they're like i'm not as high on gonzaga as many others maybe i mean I, I think Gonzaga's win a national chance to win a national title uh, went away the past couple years. Uh, I think they're good. Don't get me wrong, but right. there are so many teams in the mix there. Like I, I think Houston's really good. Uh, Kansas could be good. Michigan State could be good. Texas might be really good. Uh, Duke's got all those freshmen. Of course, North Carolina's got everybody back. But uh, like, there's nobody that I'm saying, yeah, that's the team I'm picking to win at all, right. for sure. Because I have no idea, and uh, which could lead to an absolutely bonkers insane tournament which we love right so uh but i like you i am curious to see if anyone emerges over the next week with several impressive wins and like wow look at this team they just beat three ranked teams in the past week and a half so maybe there's somebody we should watch so but i I agree with you i'm it it could be a wacky and wild college hoop season but it might get overshadowed i don't think anyone's going to know about it for like Generally speaking, over until like two or three weeks from now, after the World Cup's over and most people's favorite college football team is done, yeah, then I think people start realizing, whoa, we got some craziness going on in college hoops that I have been missing. So, um, uh, but you and I will keep. On, we are among the loyal college basketball fans who are like on it beginning in November, right? Um, we, we we've so, been dying for the season to start for like yes. three months now, so. Yeah, that, that's the thing about Marquette fans. Like, we don't have a football team, so we are dialed in Veterans Day weekend. All, all in for uh, what's going on with college hoops. So, and hopefully it's going to be a good week for uh, for Marquette as well. So, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter as long as it exists. Uh, I am Joe McCann 3. <laughs> Phil is M-O-O-O-F 23. Uh, at Crack Sidewalks is Team team handle and if twitter dies uh you can always go to cracksidewalks.com we post the podcast there remember to rate review and subscribe on uh apple podcast and spotify uh and yeah, we may have to be more active on the scrambled eggs facebook page if twitter dies oh, God. we may have you, to post twitter dies the fact that we have to go back to facebook oh no <laughs> uh. hey uh, like I, i'm not going to do 
Mastodon or whatever the hell that no, is. No, no, no. Like, I, like, I, I, I don't want to learn any more new sites. I know I'm probably going to have to, but I'm not. Like, I'm resisting TikTok. I'm not doing TikTok. Uh, I mean, I have Instagram. I mean, everybody has Instagram, but we, we'll, yeah, we'll just use like, notes apps on Instagram. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just write notes <laughs> I mean, on Instagram. I mean, what are we going to have to do to, like, stay in touch during games? If I have to text you? Boy, that's annoying. Oh, God, what? <laughs> that, that again? Oh, we're going to have to, like, I mean, then we might have to, like, even go further down, like, in the past and, like, actually call each other to, like, you know, catch up on things. Who wants to oh, do that? Oh, God. The Dark Ages. We're going backwards. Well, we're did, going did, backwards. I don't know if you saw this, but my, my current theory is that Elon Musk is basically trying to do an homage to uh, the scene in Jurassic Park when Nedry... Um, reset all of the security so he could steal the embryos, <laughs> and and they have to go to some far off building and reset the the grid. And Samuel L. Jackson gets eaten <laughs> by a raptor. Um, I think that's what Twitter is right now. It's, it's like they're doing the cold reset and yes. just trying to. They're hoping everything comes back online right. on right. Monday. Right, and, and Elon Musk in like two two days is going to tweet something about hold on to your butts and oh, yeah, they're going to be like, oh no. Oh, no. What's happening? <laughs> hold on to your butts. All right. Well, hold on to your butts for Feast Week, everybody. Hopefully it's a good one for Marquette. Until next week, have a good Thanksgiving, everyone. Seashells and balloons.